Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for coming over to Satiate today, the Boulder Nutrition Podcast. I am Sue Van Rays, your host and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado, where I specialize in women's health, functional nutrition, digestive repair, and food psychology. I also lead women's wellness retreats both locally and internationally. You can find out all about my work at bouldernutrition.com. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I've been thinking about recording this podcast for you all week because... I know here in the U.S., many people have had a really stressful week. It's election week. We still, as of today, as I sit at my desk recording this for you, we still don't know who our next president is going to be. And there is a lot of unrest, a lot of potential chaos emerging in cities around the country, And I thought it would be a really great opportunity today to reach out with some ways and some support for you to understand and quell your stress hormones. So I thought today we'd take a little walk through the stress hormones, including the anti-stress hormone. So if you are into biochemistry, like I am, or at least understanding the cues of your own body and how they can inform your behavior, then this podcast episode is for you. So let's dig in. Our biochemistry drives our behavior. And what I've noticed about a lot of my clients and people I talk to and even myself, is that when we get into these challenging situations, and 2020 has surely been a challenging year, many of us are experiencing these very normal stress responses in the body. And the cascade of what those stress responses do to the various aspects of our daily lives, including our sleep patterns, our ability to stay calm and enjoy quiet downtime each day, the foods we're eating and craving, how we're connecting with others and relating to those we love, and our overall sense of well-being. There is a lot going on. And if you're experiencing the very classic responses to some of these unprecedented and uncertain times, you are surely not alone. And you don't need to blame yourself. It's absolutely normal to feel out of sorts. It's absolutely okay to allow yourself to feel out of sorts. Yesterday morning when I woke up, the morning after our first election night, I had such heaviness in my body and my heart. I felt sad. I felt anxious. I felt just a lot of hopelessness, to be honest. And 
I noticed my appetite was gone. I didn't have much motivation. And I gave myself permission to kind of dwell in it for a little while. Feeling our feelings is really important. And I needed to draw a line in the sand. I needed to still get to my office to see my clients. I still needed to show up for my family. And I really wanted to take care of myself. So there's both. There's the feeling our feelings. And then there is the figuring out what we need and how we can bring ourselves back into balance. And while this may seem like just average daily behaviors for many of us, there is a lot to it when we can understand the biochemistry. So I'm gonna present it to you today in a really simple, user-friendly way that will help you understand what's going on in your system and some ways to quell. So yesterday, when I was feeling like that, yesterday morning, I decided after some quiet space and some time to just allow the sadness to be, to have its moment to be expressed in my in my life, in my body, to then take a really long walk. It was a sunny morning here in Colorado. I walked around my favorite trail with beautiful views of the lake and Long's Peak. I took Sadie with me and she always brightens up my day. And by the time I came home about an hour and a half later, I really noticed a shift. My hunger came back. I started to get inspired about my week, my day, the work I was doing, some things I'm excited about. I started to feel more hopeful. I started to trust more. And I noticed that my day improved a lot. So I thought if I walked you through some of these basic biochemical situations that happen in the body with the stress hormones and the anti-stress hormone, that maybe you too could find your way through this with just a little bit more ease and grace. That's what we're hoping for, right? Ease and grace. That's all we can ask for during these crazy times in the world. So let's just start with the fact that stress is simply a disruption to the equilibrium with a living organism and its environment. So we are definitely experiencing that. The pandemic, the political unrest, a lot of the different things that have happened, the wildfires, there's just been endless things that have been happening in our world that just seem to keep coming. When we come across a stressful situation, whether it's real or even perceived in many cases, our body undergoes a pretty significant array of reactions on a biochemical level. And this biochemistry can directly affect our sleep, our eating, and our overall well-being. Our biochemistry drives our behavior. Some of the behaviors you're experiencing might be feeling like they are new, they are stronger, they're overwhelming, 
And that is because of the time in the world and what we are all going through in different ways. When our stress hormones are in balance, we feel more resilient, more positive, more strong. When our stress hormones are out of whack, things go awry. So for example, we might try to manage our overwhelm and anxiety, and it simply seems like a losing battle. I've heard that from many, many people lately. We might wake up in the middle of the night and notice our minds are spinning and we're creating worst case scenarios and wondering when the pandemic's gonna end and who the next president's gonna be and various things like that. We may notice high levels of stress destroying our eating. We're craving sugar or comfort food or french fries or extra glasses of wine and trying to take the edge off the stress. Our thoughts can be a hot mess. And not only that, many of us are blaming ourselves for not being more resilient, not being more grateful, not trusting more, not being more of service. So I wanna start with one of the heavy hitters today and that's cortisol. Cortisol is a center stage stress hormone. And it's designed to be released during times of short-term stress. When it's used effectively, it provides us energy to cope with whatever that stress-provoking stimuli is. But where things go wrong for many folks in the world of optimal health and cortisol is that there's an epidemic of chronic stress in the world which can then translate into chronically high levels of cortisol, and that can wreak havoc on our bodies and our minds. For example, when cortisol is released in healthy amounts, it's anti-inflammatory for the body. But when it's released in chronically elevated levels, which many of us are experiencing, it becomes inflammatory. Cortisol also leads us to crave comfort food. It elevates our ghrelin levels, our hunger hormone. It diminishes our leptin levels, our satiating hormone, leaving us craving comfort food like no, no tomorrow. So if that's happening for you, you don't need to beat yourself up, but you may want to address the core issue. You may want to work with balancing out your cortisol and finding that equilibrium so that these other habitual behaviors can also come back to neutral. So stay with me because I've got lots of antidotes coming for you on how to do this. But first, adrenaline. Adrenaline often known as noradrenaline, is also released for acute stress, but it's part of the sympathetic nervous system. Adrenaline stimulates an acute physical response, so such as dilation of your pupils and bronchioles, an elevated heart rate, constricted blood vessels, and a slowed digestion. And this is also that we can become hyper-focused with the stress at hand. 
So adrenaline is designed for situations where we require or we think we require the fight or flight response. So for example, if you're being chased by a black bear, you're going to want those pupils dilated. You're gonna want your bronchioles dilated. You're gonna wanna breathe deeper. You're gonna wanna have an increased heart rate so you have more blood flowing through your system and you can see more clearly and you don't wanna be thinking about digesting your food or hunger. You wanna be hyper-focused to get away from the bear. Most people can attest to the impact that stress has on our lives, our ability to rest, our diet, and really along with the many general challenges that stress brings to everything we do when we're in the thick of it. Stress can be so all-consuming and persistent and even become habitual for many people. So thirdly, we have the anti-stress hormone and that is oxytocin. Oxytocin promotes connection, it connotes, promotes bonding, it promotes closeness. But it's not only the feel-good, warm and fuzzy cuddle hormone that many of us know it as. It's actually super calming, it lowers inflammation, and most importantly, it lowers cortisol, and it engages the parasympathetic nervous system, which lowers adrenaline. So if you're like me and most people, you inherently want your oxytocin to be higher than your adrenaline and cortisol so that you can relieve chronic states of stress, higher levels of anxiety or depression, and even some of those uncontrollable cravings you might be having. Even those nights where you toss and turn and you can't seem to calm your mind. The good news is that you can create more oxytocin in your life. So one way that you can learn about your own specific biochemistry is actually through your appetite. As I mentioned the other day, when I was feeling heavy hearted and sad and anxious about the election, I quickly noticed that the thought of eating was nauseating. That's because my adrenaline was high. I've talked to other people this week who noticed that they're craving comfort food. And that happens when our cortisol is high. Now, both of these hormones can be high at the same time, but we usually tend to one or the other being dominant. And when you reflect on how you handle stress or what happens to your appetite when you go through stressful situations, then you may be able to understand which of these hormones is more dominant in your system. And one more quick little thing to watch for. If you're not sleeping well, if you're noticing that your anxiety and stress and mind is spinning higher than usual, keeping you from deep nights of sleep, I just wanna remind you that this will actually add to these cravings for comfort food. So when you don't sleep well, 
your sleep alters your hunger hormones. Leptin, the hormone that suppresses your appetite or tells you you're satiated, decreases with sleep deprivation. Ghrelin increases with sleep deprivation. Ghrelin, the hunger hormone. So you can see how even just a bad night of sleep can leave you feeling way out of sorts with your eating the next day. There's some things you can do to boost your oxytocin. And that's what I want to get into today is that we can't control what's going on in the world. We can't control who wins this election. We can't control when life will resume as normal in the pandemic. We can't control the people around us and how they respond to life as it is. What we can control is our response. So let's take a little walk through the things you can do to boost your oxytocin, balance your stress hormones, and try to find your way back to equilibrium. First, let's talk about mind-body practices. Our monkey mind is not always on our side, and when it comes to calming and uplifting our spirits, mind-body practices will boost your oxytocin shift you out of the sympathetic nervous system and out of a habitual stress response. Here are some of my favorites. Meditation. Now, for some of you listening, you may have a long-term meditation practice and you may feel like that is what is keeping you afloat during 2020. But for those of you who don't, For those of you who are either new to meditation or are intimidated by the idea of sitting still and quiet for even a second, I just want to remind you that there's so many different styles of meditation. Some of them include movement like walking meditation and that really simply to just sit and focus just on the breath is enough. Just find some quiet space, sit in a comfortable position, and breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. If you can add one minute, five minutes, 15 minutes a day, you will notice that you start to get a deeper grasp on this monkey mind that can spin out of control. Other great mind-body practices definitely include yoga, gratitude, which shifts the mind into a positive perspective, releasing emotions like having a good cry, creating some personal reflection for yourself, maybe writing down how you feel, taking stock, noticing the sensations in your body, tracking the sensations in your body, and giving yourself the space to feel it all. You can also create a positive affirmation for yourself to to basically halt or shift or transform those anxious thoughts, those negative thoughts, those thoughts that are bringing you down. And when you do that, When you replace 
an anxious thought with a positive thought. Even if it feels like you're faking it till you make it, you will start to retrain your mind. And then don't forget that something as simple as slow, long, deep breaths can literally take you from that fight or flight, sympathetic side of your nervous system. And just with a few simple, slow nasal breaths, you can get into the parasympathetic, calming side of your nervous system. So let's move on to connection and boosting your oxytocin. So we know oxytocin is often called the love hormone, the cuddle hormone, or the connection hormone because being close to another person elevates our oxytocin. So there are some relational tips um, that you can try and see if they work. So nice long hugs are great. Hug your family, hug your pet, hug your best friend. We've been listening to um, comedy on the radio. And, you know, every time we get in the car and it's a station that you can find at your local, your local um, radio station. And what that does is it increases your laughter and it literally shifts you out of those stress responses into higher levels of oxytocin. So laugh, laugh with a friend, laugh with a comedy show, hug someone, connect with your friends, call them on the phone, reach out, go on a socially distanced walk, you know, snuggle with your pet, enjoy a romantic meal with your partner, and then lastly, I just want you to know that having an orgasm will give you a cortisol flush almost like nothing else. It is so good for your stress. So you might feel too stressed for sex or self-pleasure, but I just want to give you permission to do it for your health. Let's talk about moving our bodies and creating oxytocin. When we move our body, we secrete endorphins. And these endorphins enhance our brain chemistry, which is also the primary reason that people tend to exercise to relieve stress. So often we think of cardio for this, but you don't have to do cardio to relieve your stress or increase your oxytocin. You don't have to become a hardcore athlete, but you can just practice moving your body in a variety of ways such as a long walk. As I told you, my long walk did wonders for my feelings the other day. Being in nature, taking a swim, going on a bike ride, dancing, all of these types of movement, yoga included, even cleaning your house can help to boost oxytocin. Get outside in nature is another one. So some people love to get outside to exercise. I love to get outside and walk or hike, but you can also find a lot of oxytocin by sitting and enjoying nature. In some traditions, this is called forest bathing, and it was actually developed in Japan 
in the 80s for corporate workers to bring down their stress levels. And there's actually been a lot of studies done on forest bathing, and it has been shown to lower blood pressure and decrease the rate of degenerative disease, bring the stress hormones back into balance. And it's simple. You can sit by a river, you can sit under a tree, you can sit on your back deck. All of these times in nature have been shown to be incredibly soothing to the system. You can read a book outside, you can garden, you could have lunch under a tree or even set an outdoor dinner table if the weather permits. And, or go camping in the woods, but get outside in whatever way you can. And then I wanna to talk to you just about a couple of other oxytocin promoting ingredients that you can bring into your life. So let's talk about superfoods and supplements. So you may not have realized that you can eat yourself into a more calm and positive state by balancing your blood sugar, increasing tryptophan-rich foods. Tryptophan is an amino acid found in proteins. By eating more healthy fats, by eating antioxidants and B vitamins that support your brain chemistry, you can increase your levels of serotonin and oxytocin as you lower your stress levels. So here are a few of my favorites. There's many, um, but here are a few of my favorites. Uh, raw cacao is the top one for boosting your serotonin and oxytocin and diminishing your stress. You can also try including black sesame seeds in your food. You can throw a bunch of them into a smoothie or top your salad or your vegetables with toasted black sesame seeds. You can eat more avocado, more figs, more bananas, and especially fatty fish such as like wild salmon. Those are some really great superfoods for boosting oxytocin. And then we'll just take it a little further with some of the high quality nutrients that encourage a release of oxytocin. So once again, on a chemical level or biochemical level, there are many ways to boost you up. Here are some of my favorite nutrients. And perfectly, many of them are also great for the immune system and great for your overall health. So the number one is vitamin D. Get your doses of vitamin D in. We know vitamin D is super immune boosting with COVID-19 and preventative and very effective. And we also know that this time of year, as the sun is lower and where our days are shorter, that many people are going to start noticing a deficiency in vitamin D. So not only for oxytocin enhancement, but just for overall well-being, Vitamin D is a fantastic thing to include in your, in your repertoire. Similar to vitamin C, also very immune boosting, but also very elevating. Magnesium is another great supplement to include chamomile. You can drink chamomile tea. You can make a smoothie with chamomile. You can use a tincture of chamomile. Take melatonin at night to help you sleep increase your B vitamins, 
um, 5-HTP and tryptophan, which boosts serotonin and oxytocin. L-glutamine, which helps to balance your brain chemistry across many different neurotransmitters, and as well as GABA. One of my favorite supplements is GABA for anxiety. It, what it does is it boosts your neurotransmitter GABA, and it also helps to minimize your anxiety, get you out of monkey mind and kind of stressful thinking, and spinning thoughts and bring you back down into a calmer place. And I've used GABA in the middle of the night. One of my kids used to get afraid of traveling on planes. I used to give him GABA for that. I've given many of my clients GABA for anxiety and sleep issues or a combination of both, and I've seen it be incredibly effective. You can also try the amino acids L-phenylalanine and L-theanine. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I also want to just remind you that a lot of supplements um, out there are going to blend many of these together. So I just want to give you a quick review of those so that you can remember which ones are the heavy hitters. Vitamin D, vitamin C, magnesium. Magnesium glycinate is my favorite for for these times and for boosting oxytocin and calming our system, helping with sleep as well. Chamomile, melatonin, B vitamins, 5-HTP, tryptophan, L-glutamine, GABA, L-phenylalanine, and L-theanine. And I didn't mention one of my favorite herbs, an Ayurvedic herb called ashwagandha, I released an article on the Boulder Nutrition blog about ashwagandha and all of the benefits. But what I find so interesting about ashwagandha is that literally it was originally used in the 1960s um, when the USSR took interest in studying how to support you know, the World War II vets and they really did a lot of research on adaptogens such as ashwagandha. Adaptogenic herbs are very impactful with bringing down anxiety and stress and very helpful for peace and homeostasis in the body. So ashwagandha is another amazing addition to your repertoire. So we have covered a lot one more really impactful thing that you can do when you're feeling you're like you're stressed and you're anxious and you're triggered and you need to get out of this pattern um, and, and turn it around, boost your oxytocin, and that is giving. And I know it sounds simple and but the power of giving and being of service is incredibly impactful on your system. We are social creatures and we are wired to help one another. And giving is a neuropathway that has been shown to be incredibly powerful in creating more joy and improving overall health. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can simply help a friend. You can call a friend, check on them. You could make a donation. You could volunteer with an organization that speaks to you. 
You could give advice when warranted to someone who needs support. You could help a stranger change a tire. So there's many different ways that handling these stressful situations with all of the different ways you can boost your oxytocin to help you navigate some of the most common automatic responses to stress that lead to or exacerbate the imbalances in your stress hormones. As I said earlier, we don't have control of what kind of stress life is throwing at us. And 2020 has surely been a year that has pushed many of us to our edge. But we do have the power within us to work with our stress response. We can hone and sculpt it over time to create a healthier and happier life. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of Satiate Today. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support in cultivating all the health and happiness that you so deserve. Thank you so much for being part of the Boulder Nutrition Community.